Thank you, Jeff. All right, how's everyone doing? Back from spring break and uh, all that good stuff. Uh, last week, we looked at this text where Jesus said, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and put it into practice. And so Jesus was expanding our view of family, helping us understand that, that family is not just the nuclear family, but something so much bigger than that, that Jesus came to create a whole new humanity and a whole new family. And we are the family of God as we commune together and listen to God's word and put it into practice. So we talked about how do we listen to God's word, and uh, one thing I talked about is I put together a page on the website of contemplative practices that focus on more on listening. Uh, and so several of you asked me about uh, that again, and so I wanted to kind of walk you through it. Um, so this is off of a phone, but you can do it off of your laptop or desktop as well. Just go to bamerin.org, scroll down on the drop-down menu to resources, and under resources is contemplative practices. You click on that and you see contemplative practices and there's a list of those. Now there was one in particular that many of you wanted to know how to access because if you scroll down from there, there's different apps and websites that I listed that are really helpful uh, to use during the day, throughout the day, throughout the week. And so if you scroll down to the apps, uh, pray as you go. If you, uh, if you read through that, there's three tiers. One is the website, one is the app for the iPhone, one is the app for the Android. Uh, so if you clip, click on that and download the app, this is what you see. Uh, so this is the Praise You Go app. Now it opens, the top thing is today's prayer. And it's, it's a different prayer every day. Saturday and Sunday only has one for the weekend, but every other day, different prayer every day. You can click on it. Uh, listen to it. There's a different scripture every day that whoever is leading the prayer reads through the scripture, asks reflective questions, uh, then reads through the scripture again. Um, but if you, what you don't see on the, if you can go back, what you don't see here is something I talked about last week, which is the examine, uh, which I was telling you we do with our children on a regular day a regular basis, you have to scroll up. It's the next one down, very bottom, the exam, and you click on the examine, and it opens up this page, examine for young adults, examine for children, and examine uh, for anyone. So um, I hope that answers some questions uh, for those of you who are asking me about it, and I hope you find it helpful. It's an incredible resource. So if you go to the Contemplative Practices page at baymarin.org, it's all right there. Um, Doug suggested we get it in the weekly email, so Brian was out of town last week. He puts together our weekly email, so we'll make sure to get that in and maybe get a home uh, screen slide for it so it's easier for you to access and see. Um, so there's that. Uh, I also challenged you all to consider uh, looking at our three, uh, three Years with Jesus page and reflecting on the text that's coming up for each Sunday. Uh, for this Sunday, it was really simple because it's only one verse. 
It's John 8, 12. So I hope some of you spent some time with that uh, this week leading up to today and today's teaching. I want to spend some time with that text with you. Uh, and let's begin by praying this prayer together. Lord, help us to be fully alive to your holy presence. And fold us in your love. Let our hearts become one with yours. So I want to invite you, if you're comfortable doing so, to close your eyes and allow yourself to get in a comfortable position. And I'm going to read John 8, 12. I'm just going to read it a couple of times with some space in between the readings for you to reflect on this text. And God, as we read this this morning, I pray that you would open our hearts, open our minds. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Highlight something for us this morning as we explore this text. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. As I read it through again, I want to invite you to ask the Spirit to highlight something for you from this text, a word or a phrase or an idea or a prayer. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. God, we long for that today be true followers of Jesus and to truly have and embody the light of life. I pray that you would continue to speak to us today. Fill us with your spirit, fill us with your love. Expand our idea of you. Uh, allow us to truly experience the people who have the mind of Christ. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, so uh, the theme of light is a huge theme throughout the Gospel of John. Uh, John talks about light a lot, and so I want to look at John 1. 
and flesh out uh, this idea of where John is going with light, where he gets this idea from, and uh, what it might speak to us, how it might speak a fresh word to us today. John begins his gospel by saying, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, this uh, word, word, is the Greek word logos, and it's this, John, John's using it in this expansive, huge way. This logos is the creative, energizing force of the universe. And, and John is saying this logos was with God from the beginning, and not only with God, but this logos is God. And he was with God in the beginning, verse 3, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. When, if we skip down to verse 14, we see the word, the logos, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So John reveals this logos, this creative energizing force of the world who was with God in the beginning and who is God, uh, John reveals is Jesus himself, that Jesus himself was with God in the beginning. Jesus himself is God. Jesus embodies the fullness of the divine image. Jump back up to verse 4. In him, in the logos, in Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So, John is saying, Jesus, he's life, and he's light. Now, John is drawing from an even more ancient story, which we find at the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis 1. In Genesis 1... The very first words of the scriptures say, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And then from there, God continues to create. The first thing that God speaks into existence, that the Logos speaks into existence, is light. And God saw that it was good. And then God creates life. Remember, Jesus is light and life. And God creates life. He creates plant life. And then God creates animal life. And then God creates human life in God's image. And if God is light, then what does that mean about humans who are in God's image? We bear the divine light. If God creates us in God's image, we therefore have God's light within us from the beginning, and we're invited to shine that light, to be image bearers who shine that light. And so God creates light, 
and life and ultimately creates humans in his image. Uh, what this means is that the story begins with life, not death. The story begins with goodness, not sin or brokenness. We, we live in such a broken world that often our, our theology uh, evolves in such a way that we start with sin. We're sinners, and we need redemption. Rather than starting where the Bible starts, rather than starting where the story of God starts, which says we are divine image bearers. At the root, at the core of our, our identity is that we bear the divine image. If we begin with a theology that says our identity is sinner and we're in desperate need of redemption, we miss the beautiful fact that there is a story that started prior to sin, and it is the story of goodness, it is the story of beauty, it is the story of shalom. Redemption is not about redeeming us because we're completely evil and sinners. Redemption is about restoring us to what God intended from the beginning of the world. And so if we can begin to wrap our minds around our core identity has to do with God, God's divine light within us, the image of God within us, the fact that we bear God's likeness and we're called to look like God in the world, and yet we are severely and deeply broken. And God in Jesus, the word becomes flesh to bring that light and that life that we were intended for from the beginning back to restore us to that which God created us for. This is the gospel. The gospel has so much more to do with restoring us into the divine image than it has to do with just redeeming us from a life of sin. It is that, but it's so much more. And so the story does not begin with sin. The story does not begin with evil and brokenness. The story begins with goodness. The story begins with beauty. The story begins with shalom and the goodness of God. As the story continues, we see that this beauty, this goodness, this shalom in Genesis 1 and 2 does move to Genesis 3. And in Genesis 3, what we see is brokenness, shalom shattered. We see that something goes desperately wrong. Humans chose autonomy from God. Humans chose uh, a way apart from God. There was, they believed the lie that the story God had written for them was not good enough. That if they ate this fruit, they could attain some type of deeper knowledge, something more, and become more like God. They believed this lie that what God had intended them for was not enough. And so they eat the fruit. You know how the story goes. They end up hiding from God. God comes and says, where are you? Where, where are you? And it's not like God doesn't know where they are hiding uh, behind the fig bushes. Uh, God is 
asking them a question at a much deeper level. God is asking them, where'd you go? Where's your heart? Where, where are you, the person I created you to be? Because that you, that person I created you to be, has gone and hid, living in fear and shame. And this story continues. And we continue so often in our lives to live lives out of fear, out of shame, out of brokenness. And this then is why we so often believe the lie that the story begins with sin. I'm such a horrible, wretched, sinful person in desperate need of redemption. Yes, we're all deeply, deeply broken in need of redemption. But it doesn't begin there. And Jesus comes into the world to show us what it looks like to be fully human. Jesus comes and reminds us what we were created for. And Jesus comes to restore us back to God so that we can live as God created us to live. If we flip back to John 1, verse 8 says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So in Genesis 3, darkness enters the story, a different type of darkness than the light and darkness that God separated, uh, the darkness of death the darkness of evil, the darkness of human brokenness, the darkness of sin. And in John 1, 5, John says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, I don't know what version you're looking at in your Bible. I'm, uh, I have an NIV, and in my Bible, the word overcome it has a little footnote by it. And down on the footnote, it says, or understood. So uh, the translators, the, the, the Greek word here, the translators weren't quite sure what to do. So up in the text, they wrote, the darkness has not overcome it. But in the footnote, they wrote, or understood it. Because here's the thing, the Greek word, it's an ambiguous word that is similar to the English words to master. So... Look at this. Next slide. To master a subject is to understand it, whereas to master a foe is to defeat them. You see how it can be used in two different ways? It's the same with the Greek word here. So both meanings are in play in John. The darkness has not defeated the light, nor does the darkness understand the light. So what we get, next slide, is a whole array of translations trying to figure out what word to use here. So darkness has not overcome it, cannot extinguish it, did not comprehend it, has never put it out, has not mastered it, which is probably the best translation, uh, did not overtake it, the darkness apprehended it not, the darkness has not overpowered it, the darkness did not perceive it. And so all kinds of people who are translating this Greek word into English are wrestling with, how do we translate this? Because it means both. It means the darkness has not defeated the light, and it means the darkness has not comprehended or understood the light. And so John very purposefully 
uses this Greek word to help us understand that it is both and that the darkness cannot overcome light. It cannot understand it. <clears throat> it cannot defeat it. So, next slide. No matter how dark you feel the world is, the light is stronger. So, as, as you walk through life, if you feel overwhelmed by the weight of the world, if you feel overwhelmed by human and global brokenness, if you feel overwhelmed by the darkness you see in our world, rest in the hope that the light is stronger. The darkness cannot overcome the light. Uh, if you feel overwhelmed by images of environmental degradation, of images of war, of images of strife, of uh, disease, of global water crisis, of what, fill in the blank. When you see the darkness in the world, may you know the light is stronger. Next slide. No matter how dark you feel your interior life is, the light is brighter. Uh, if you walk around feeling a weight of shame or guilt, uh, the light is stronger. Whatever brokenness lies within you, the light is stronger. And, and here's the thing, that the darkness cannot exist in the face of the light. You bring that darkness, you bring that brokenness, you bring that sin pattern out into the light, and the darkness cannot exist in the face of the light. Uh, I think we, uh, human sin and brokenness, I, I think a modern word for sin is simply addiction. Humans wrestle with patterns of behavior that are broken and do damage to the self and, and therefore do damage to those we're in relationship with. Uh, you know, the 12-step program is such, a, I think, a fabulous program to help people identify uh, patterns of addiction and their, then how to break free from them. Uh, and these largely focus on alcohol, drugs, nicotine, sexual brokenness, and all those addictions uh, ha have a way of being addressed in programs like the 12-step program. Uh, what I find interesting is while all of those addictions are, are deeply broken and need healing, need the light to shine in on them, that there are addictions in our society that are just simply accepted. And, and some of them that are praised like workaholism. Uh, are you addicted to your work? Is there a 12-step program for that? If there is, I'm not aware of it. Uh, because uh, it's, it's per look, oh my goodness, you are so successful, you are so driven, you are so, wow, great job. 
when all along you're actually addicted to your work. And it's causing you brokenness, and then it's affecting those around you. Uh, we, we live in a culture where people are addicted to their image. They're addicted to what other people think of them, how other people perceive them. And, and you may just get praise after praise after praise for your image when inside you are dying because you're addicted to your image. Uh, we live in a culture that's addicted to being right. I'm right about this. Uh, how many of you just know that when uh, somebody says something that you disagree with, you, you know you're right and they're wrong? When they, they know they're right and you're wrong, uh, we are addicted to being right. Uh, fill in the blank. Shopping, money, success, what, whatever. So many of these modern day societal addictions that we try to suppress and say, oh, that's not an addiction. It's not an addiction. I'm just, I'm good at my work and I want to do a quality job. Well, of course you should. You were, you were created to be productive. You were created to offer something to the world. Uh, but like any great strength, it can also be our weakness. And when our strength becomes our weakness, when we overcompensate, it, it results in a brokenness that affects us and affects those around us. Uh, what is the darkness? What is the addiction? What is the, what is the behavior pattern that you can identify in your life that you want to invite Jesus, the light of the world, to shine into? Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Je Jesus comes and offers us a way of being in the world that is the light of life. Th this is the offer. This is what Jesus comes and says. You can, you can have this. Uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. famously said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Uh, if you want to see light and life and love in the world, it takes a different way of confronting it than the way of the world. The way of the world is an escalation of violence. The way of the world is to repay, to get retribution, whereas the way of Jesus is the way of self-giving love and shining light into the darkness. If, if this entire room were to go pitch black right now and we lit this candle, the light would drive out the darkness all around it. Darkness can't do that to light. Only light can do that to darkness. Darkness does not have the last word.
light does. Death does not have the last word. Life does. Jesus comes and says, I am light and I am life. That this is the offer. This is what Jesus comes and offers us a completely different way. He reminds us of what we were created for. Let there be light and it was good. Everything God created, God declared as good. It is good, it is good, it is good, it is very good. And then it became broken. And Jesus enters the brokenness to offer us light and life again. This is the way of Jesus. As we skip down a little further to verse 9, John 1, he says, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Uh, So my translation uses the word light twice, but it's actually two different Greek words. The true light that gives light, this is a more accurate translation of it. The true light that enlightens everyone was coming into the world. So Jesus comes not only as the light, but also to enlighten us, to wake us up to what he created us for. Paul uses the same word in Ephesians. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The hope to which he has called you is the original intention from the beginning, that we would live fully alive, that we would live fully human lives apart from the sin, apart from the brokenness, apart from the darkness, that we would live out of the light and life and love of God that we were intended for from the creation of the world. Jesus comes into the world offering light and life. And what does this light of life do? He enters into the darkest experience we could ever imagine. More dark than we could ever imagine. This light of life goes all the way to the cross on our behalf. Uh, Some thoughts I had about this. Despite the cross being the darkest possible place, What darkness and evil could not understand is that the one who entered that darkness was true light. Not only could the darkness not defeat the light, but it just simply didn't understand it. How could this be that there is one who is willing to have all darkness, all evil, all sin, all injustice, all abuse, all brokenness thrown at him and ultimately die in that darkness? This is what Jesus does, enters the darkness on our behalf so that we can experience light. Uh, Jesus says, going back to John 8, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus invites us to follow him, follow him all the way to the cross to live lives of self-giving love for the sake of the world and to allow the light of God to enter in 
and drive out the darkness. If you are overwhelmed by the darkness you see in the world, I believe the first step is to allow the light of life to enter in more fully each day into our own lives. Because only when we allow the light to expose the darkness within ourselves do we then become more powerful instruments of light and life in the world for the sake of God. Uh, Let's go ahead and go to that last slide, Mary Beth. Uh, Jesus said this, you. So Jesus comes and says, I am the light of the world. But elsewhere, he says of his followers, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. Jesus reminds us of our origins, that we were created for so much more. And he says, I am the light of the world. I am the one who spoke the world into existence and created you to be light in life. And I have come to restore you from brokenness and sin and darkness and bring you back to that which I created you for because you, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine. How do we do this? Expose the darkness to the light. The darkness cannot exist in the face of the light. This morning, as you come and take a piece of bread and dip it in the cup, Jesus invites us to remember, remember his body broken, his blood shed. Remember that he passed through the darkness for us so that we could live the light of life. Remember what you were created for and allow the light to shine and expose the darkness and destroy it so that you can live as light and life as you were created to. God, thank you. Thank you that you are creator and you are redeemer. God, remind us of the goodness of creation. Remind us of the goodness that you created us for. Remind us of the beauty, the shalom, the light, the life. And in the midst of our own brokenness, and in the midst of the world's brokenness, I pray that you would shine your light, that we would receive it, that we would expose the darkness, the darkness within ourselves and the darkness in the world, and that we would live more fully alive than ever before. God, empower us to live as people of light, as people of life, as people who bear your image, God, and spread your love throughout the world. God, as we come and take the bread and dip it in the cup, shine your light more fully than ever. May we come to you with open hands and and ask you to shine your light into our own personal darkness, God, that you would free us, free us from sin, free us from addiction, free us from behavioral patterns that are destructive to ourselves and others, and free us to live fully alive for your glory.
We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.